Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Ben Bumhopper. How are you doing this morning? Or this evening. Did I say morning? You did. Wow. God, I am just so I mean, confused. Look, it, we're recording a little bit later than normal, thanks to the Mandalorian. But, I mean, it's not so late that it's morning yet. No. But, it, I mean, we're getting close. Yeah, We're true. getting close. Oh, regardless. That's okay. Um, To answer How your you question, doing? I'm doing okay. <laughs> I've still got this weird lingering cough. But, uh, you know what? If uh, we play our cards right, the listeners will never hear it. Never know. Yes. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of really fun stuff to talk about um, this evening. Yes. Uh, or whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this. Since this is yes, a podcast. Good afternoon. Good morrow. Uh, maybe in a uh, a fortnight they'll uh, listen to this. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, so we've got a, we've got a few really interesting topics. Um, we've got, we, we talked a little bit about last episode, um, about intent and, uh, sometimes things working or not working out the way, uh, that we thought they would. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, some monster fixer. We got a new monster Mm -hmm. fixer segment. Mm -hmm. We haven't had one of those for a little bit, so that's great. And then we have a listener email we're going to go over as well. So lots of fun stuff. Uh, but first off, Ben, yes, I would like you to kick things off. So we're going to, we're going to talk about intent, um, both in terms of things, uh, working out how you intended. And then of course, things not working out how you intended. And as DMs, we will experience, uh, you experience both of those things in plethora. Yes. And when things happen, especially as you do not intend them, we'll probably try and talk about how to correct, how to course correct on those things, how to fix those things and set expectations. So Ben, why don't you uh, start us off? Okay, well, um, I kind of talked about it a little bit last episode, but uh, I made a major like snafu issue and stuff uh, last session that we had. And uh, that was uh, an item that I created. Uh, Unfortunately, ended up being, well, I, I, I I didn't put into words what my whole intention was when I created it. And there was this tuning fork made out of a material that like resonates with all the planes so that you don't need something specific from each plane to travel to it. So, um, this particular tuning fork was imbued with plane shift because I'm like, Hey, that's cool. Then I don't need to worry about, you know, any of my characters actually knowing the spell, they can just, you know, do it if they have this tuning fork with them. Well, the thing is is that plane shift is a level seven spell. Nobody has access to that yet in my party. And, my whole intention of it was, well, if you you don't have access to level seven spells, you've got to roll for it to make sure that you can actually cast it. And even if you do cast it, something can go awry based on, you know, percentage dice and everything. So my initial write up of it did not explain this whatsoever very well. It basically said you have to roll and then you roll again for like a percentage. And at this percentage, something happens and that this percentage something happens that sounds like it's the same thing, but it's actually worse. And overall it's like, we, we kind of 
you know, try to figure out what was really trying to happen during the, the actual course of the gameplay, which, you know, we came to a conclusion of like, okay, this is what I was intending. I'm going to go back through, I'm going to rewrite everything and we're going to get this taken care of. But this is where it ultimately ends up. So everybody was happy that, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is, this is the way it's going to be. Okay. At least they seemed happy. They seemed okay with it at least. <laughs> Which, of course, it what happened was instead of going to where they were intending to go, they're in a completely different plane of existence that they have no idea where they are. And I'm like, oh, this is really exciting because I knew what I meant to happen. But again, it didn't read that way. So since then, I've gone back, rewritten the entire thing. It makes a lot more sense now. Everybody's happy with it. I shared it in, in Discord to say, hey, guys, here's the updated version and with the actual intent of what is supposed to happen. And everybody agreed, hey. That makes sense. Good job. So one, I'm very lucky that I have a party who is patient with me, especially when I make mistakes. Uh, but two, the biggest thing that I came, that I came away with, and um, I, we say this in almost every single episode, but communication is probably the reason why this was able to work as well as it did. You know, I fully admitted, hey, I'm wrong on this. This is what we're going to do about it. And, you know, kind of had the discussion with everybody and it worked out really well. I was very lucky in that. So that's something that I have to live with forever now, knowing that I totally screwed up, but eh, it's better now. It, it works. But here's the thing. Sometimes when you have, you know, like a bad session or something, you know, uh, goes wrong or, it, you know, things aren't just aren't really clicking and working. Again, it's one of those things where you have to take a minute, kind of step back, think about it, look at what's going on, and then have an open discussion about it. So from that point on, I'm like, okay, I totally screwed this up. But going forward, I'm, I feel a lot more comfortable because I've had that bad thing happen, you know? Like nothing's going to get as bad as that because I know that I can walk away from it. So it's going to be okay. And then it really helps uh, com completely cement the thing that, hey, everything's fixed. Everything's good because I put it in Discord, said, hey, here's the new thing. Everything's good. We have it for a way to go back and reference it in case anybody has any other questions. And then we'll go from there. And uh, overall, I think it worked out pretty OK. Good. Good. I'm glad. I think I <clears throat> and we we've mentioned this and we talk about this so often. Communication. Mm -hmm. uh, open communication is just incredibly, incredibly good. Um, and it's, it's something, it's something I've been trying to do a uh, little more in my games as well. And we all are going to be at that point where we, I, after, after you DM for a certain amount of time, almost inevitably you'll come to a point where it's like, I want to make something. Mm-hmm. A lot of DMs are game designers, at least in some ways as well. And so, especially when you're just starting out, those things you make might be super cool and they might be super broken. Or your players might use them in ways that you never thought of or never intended mm -hmm. them to use them for. <clears throat> so it's good, especially when you're introducing new stuff, to say, this is... This is a TBK original. <laughs> uh, or this is this is a Ben Bumhofer special. Mm -hmm. FYI, this might not be balanced, and we might have to tweak it as we go, depending on 
on how it works. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was, this was the exact same thing that, uh, I was at least in the back of my head, kind of worried about when I introduced a completely custom subclass for one of my players, uh, that I fully designed myself. Yeah. uh, I remember that. Yeah. I wanted it. I wanted it to fit the fantasy for her character. Uh, because I was like, there's there, we were talking about it and there's like, there's nothing that quite fits the fantasy you're going for in the background of your character. So tell you what, I'll just make something. Um, and honestly, for the most part, it has gone fairly well so far. I haven't really had to do a whole lot of, you know, crazy tweaking or anything to, to get this in a good spot. But that's, that's something, an example of something that easily could have been completely broken. Mm -hmm. Whether this is, (laughs) these sound really cool, but they're all just worthless or, (laughs) Oh my God, you're just destroying everything. Or you're, (laughs) you're doing X, Y, or Z way better than I ever thought possible. Mm -hmm. Um, when I, when I made this. So when you get, into situations like that, just be honest. You know, we're all human too. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, technically, we're all omnipotent gods. Uh, but <laughs> in, in but one world, in one world, but in the in the in the real world, we are we are all human too, and so and we are prone to mistakes. And it is good, as you said, to admit those mistakes and uh, sometimes ask for a redo. Yeah. If it's for the betterment of, of the game. Well, in fact, um, like I'm going through right now, creating relics specific for my characters or for my player characters. And, you know, I have to make a, a new one that's unique to each individual person. And I'm trying to think of their play style, the things that they do and, uh, you know, kind of what their character would do and why a certain God would choose them. So, as I'm coming up with all these like cool, like features and, and things like that, I'm like, okay, I have to keep it kind of balanced and in line with the other people's because I don't want, you know, um, you know, uh, Joey fighter pants over there to have this amazing sword that does everything in the world. While, um, Susie Warlock, uh, she just has a, a skull that talks to her or something, you know? And I mean, of course I, they're definitely not that, unbalanced but you know that's the fear that i have that you know i have something that is uh you know just not really living up to the expectation of what my player has and you know if something like that happens i would hope that they would come to me and just kind of talk about it and we can you know discuss different features or different things that we can kind of do and, and kind of keep it in line with everybody else's but so far i mean i i hope that i've come up with a, a decent amount of uh you know nifty abilities and stuff you know once everything's um, grown, you know, awakened and exalted forms and all this stuff. But if not, everybody is, is really good about understanding that, Hey, if something's completely out of balance, we'll talk about it. We'll work with it and we'll make it into something that actually works better. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's great. And that's, that's the open communication you, that you really want with your players. It's the exact same as if you have, uh, cause, uh, some games will have crafting systems mm-hmm. that they use, or sometimes players will be like, Hey DM, can I craft X, Y, or Z? And there's not 
a lot of really good official rules for that. There are extremely basic guidelines. Yeah, like <laughs> for, it'll cost extremely. It costs this much and takes this much time. The end. But and it, it, yeah, it's 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 not very helpful. And uh, to be fair, there are some actually amazing supplements on like DMs Guild or something that are completely uh, focused on. This is a crafting system for 5e. If you if you want to get, you know, down and dirty with all the different components and times and money and all that, that sort of thing. Uh, but that can easily be something that you misjudge balance on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You let, you let someone make something super powerful too fast because you don't want it to take too long or you don't go have days that go by super fast <laughs> or you're, you're not anywhere near a planned downtime uh, type activity or anything like that. So that's, that's a, another place to watch for it as well. Um, and to give yourself a little grace, uh, as you try and balance that I want players to have fun and do and get cool stuff, but I don't want this one person to unbalance everything because they just get this cool thing super quickly. Yeah. Like you don't want someone to walk up and say, Hey, um, I want to make this plus two rapier into a flame tongue rapier. It's like, okay, cool. Well, we can do the enchantment on that. It's going to take X amount of time, whatever. Great. Okay. I have this plus two flame tongue rapier and it's awesome, but I also want to make it a giant killer flame tongue rapier. Oh, okay. Like, you know, don't just keep stacking enchantment upon enchantment upon enchantment on everything as well. I mean, unless you have something like a relic that, you know, grows over time or, 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 you know, upgrades and stuff like that, like that's something entirely different. But if you just have to start off with a, you know, a basic plus one sword and then just turn it into this ultimate like God killing weapon with, uh, uh, you know, extra damage against everything over time. Um, maybe you're not able to really enchant that much or, or you can't, you know, uh, mix and match too many things and stuff, you know, it'll get out of balance quite fast unless that's really what you're going for. And if so, good luck. Cause that sounds like the most powerful sword in the world. <laughs> <laughs> then he just got out a, 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 a vorpal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For those sweet, sweet decapitations. Yep. And it's also made out of adamantite. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How many, how many, how many, how many modifiers <laughs> can yeah. we add? Plus on top of that, yeah. they get a crit, uh, for, you know, rolling a two through 20. So yeah, best sword in the world. That's, it that sounds like a very, very powerful weapon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, and so, yeah. um, that being said, uh, another thing too, is like, um, and we kind of uh, touched on this a little bit when we talked about uh, player character deaths and different things like that. Um, but, you know, when something like really goes badly, you know, like the roles just aren't on the player's side, um, you know, maybe there's a death, maybe there's something along those lines, um, or you just, you know, they, they fail at the objective that they're trying to, to, you know, complete. That could potentially be one of these situations where it's like, Hey, we're going to have some open communication about this. We're going to talk about this, um, you know, based on the choices that were made, 
this is how things played out, or this is what we did. You know, we're not going to beat ourselves up over, you know, what happened. We're going to move forward. We're going to look at this and see what, what we could do, you know, differently going on in the future, whether that's, you know, the, the player characters make different choices or maybe the DM has to retune something differently so that it's either easier or harder. And, you know, it's just one of those instances again, where everybody open communication, talk about it, figure out kind of what's going on. If there was actually a problem, if there was say a player character death and yeah, it's sad. Everybody's, you know, not happy about it, but did it actually make sense mechanically and everything is actually okay with it? Great. You have that communication. You don't need to worry about actually changing anything about that in the future. It's just, it's something that uh, fell to just some bad rolls of a dice at, at that time. Yeah. And sometimes bad rolls happen. Uh, this is, this is actually one of the reasons I really prefer milestone versus XP leveling. Mm-hmm is because it can it gives you a lot more inherent balance versus if you get party members out of sync because I've I've played in both games one of the first campaigns I played in was actually XP based um and if you missed a session you missed you missed XP right that's that's just kind of kind of how it worked if the if they played played without you yeah and so um it was one of those things where someone might have been level you know eight someone might have been level six someone might have been level four or five what level do you bring in a a new character at if your character dies do they come in at the the highest level Uh, that doesn't seem fair Uh, so i mean do they come in at the low the the level where the lowest character uh that severely changes the balance of uh the party and combat encounters no see as well they come in at level one and then they hit one thing and then the experience that they get bumps them up five levels i'm kidding you don't do that that's a bad way to do it that is that is definitely definitely video gamification it's just like (laughs) ah newbie come with us we know and it's just like what's going on and they go and they're just like we are mighty adventurers. See that that Balrog over there? I'm going to go smite it. You just go and like smite it, and then all of a sudden the other guy's like, "Oh my god, I feel so much more powerful. I can cast level three spells now." <laughs> exactly. It's just uh, yeah, it's a different it's, form of bardic it's, inspiration. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a very it's very funny in concept, though technically that is how the game works. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well in a in an XP type system, so that's I, I appreciate milestone very much, just because balancing encounters and we've we've talked about this in several episodes is already hard. Yes, as it is. So why make it harder on yourself? With and I, some people, some people do it, and you know, more power to you. <laughs> that that is that that sounds like a a lot of work. Um to balance for uh, a whole party that's at, at different levels probably gets less, gets to be less of an issue once you get into like tier three and tier four, but uh, like earlier levels, especially could be a huge issue because there's a massive difference between a level one and a level three or level one and a level four. Whereas the difference between a level like 12 and 14 or 
13 and 16 or, you know, something like that is not near the gap because you can still do tons of cool stuff and you still have a lot more health mm-hmm. and whatnot. Exactly. And the, the abilities that you have just really compensate for any sort of difference. Like the, the biggest difference is you might not have, you know, a, a higher level spell slots or, you know, you can only cast a couple things less or something like that. Your, and your health will be a little lower, but overall, yeah, not a huge difference. Yeah, I'm but, missing, I'm missing that one seventh level spell slot that other dude has. Yep, exactly. Versus, um, I'm level one and, uh, I can't rage yet or, or something. I don't Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, with barbarians, it's either you can technically rage at level one. Yes. No, oh, but, no, you rage, but yeah. I don't have um, the uh, the the attack that gives you advantage that I can't think of right now. Um, reckless, reckless. Yes, that's such an easy word, and I couldn't remember it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I can't even reckless attack right now. So yeah, I mean, you really and, don't want well, to at level one anyway. It's the difference <laughs> between like I have ten hit points or I have twenty hit points, mm-hmm. which at that level is double. So <laughs> much so. Yeah, so it's again, it's it's one of those things. I, I and I know that's that's kind of just a side topic, but that's why I enjoy it when we're talking about intent and such uh, to make it easier on everybody. That's why I enjoy milestone leveling is because it really helps. It helps keep things more even and helps you balance encounters. And better. you know, I'm gonna say it too. It also helps keep your uh, story from getting out of hand. It certainly can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to totally Dragon Ball Z level ourselves uh, over the story so that, uh, you know, we don't really have a challenge when we're actually at, at, you know, level 15 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, there's a, <laughs> there's a great little short video. I'll, I'll see if we can find it for the show notes. Um, that was a Dimension 20 adventuring party where I believe it was uh, oh, the milestone versus Brennan. XV. Yeah. Brennan and Matt. Mercer talking about it. They, they have a little segment where one person takes one stance and one person takes the other. Uh, and they talk about XP versus versus milestone leveling. It, it's, it's pretty funny, but I mean, it uh, encompasses a lot, <laughs> a lot of that in a much funnier way uh, of what we, what we talked about um, and how it works. So if we, if we can find it, we'll throw it in the show notes. It's a, it's a fun watch. I think someone actually sent that to me specifically, so I can probably find it. Yeah. But speaking of encounters and balance, I think that's a pretty good segue into our monster fixture. So this week, uh, we are going to focus our monster fixture on celestials. And I kind of knew this a little bit going into it. But <laughs> so when I looked it up, there are a ridiculously low amount of official celestials. Like, seriously, it is a handful. Like, you could probably count them the amount of celestials on both hands. Yeah. Like, you've got, we've got just pages and pages of demons and pages and pages of devils just from, from ranging the entirety of the the CR spectrum. And then you look over at celestials and there's there's only a handful. And there's only even a smaller amount that you would actually maybe consider celestial what uh, what you would normally think of 
when you would think celestial. Because when you think celestial, a lot of people think angelic, right? Some sort of angelic host mm-hmm. or a heavenly beings or something like that. Uh, D&D, you've got like three, three main ones officially. <laughs> you've got the, the Deva, you've got the Planetar, and you've got the Solar. And that's kind of it. That's like, all and you need. <laughs> and 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 you don't have the spectrum. Like if you if you looking for demons or devils to throw in your game, you've got everything from like CR, you know, zero or a quarter or whatever, all the way up into the twenties, right? Um, for both devils and demons. With the celestials, especially when you talk about like the the three main ones since there's really only like three, three main ones, like the, the Davis starts at challenge rating 10. The planetar is 16 and the solar is 21. That is a massive spread. Bit of a bit of a jump there. Yeah. It's a massive spread. It's huge jumps between each of them. And there are no low level stuff. Like CR 10 is not small. (laughs) Like that's, that's a, that's a pretty decent thing. Like we're talking 17 AC, 136 hit points, you know, their weapon attacks are doing an extra 4d8 radiant damage. Just, just cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that we're, we're kind of, we're kind of looking at and we go, okay. Not only is there a, a very big lacking of celestial type beings, but then I look at the their their stat blocks and I go, they're kind of boring <laughs> yeah. in a lot of ways. Which is like, the, kind of a bummer. Of all of them, the solar is probably the best, mm-hmm. but the solar is a legendary creature. So it's actually got like a few extra spells not a lot um it's got a longbow it's got a sword and it can heal and then it's got actually like two fairly cool legendary actions it's it's probably the best of the three but even then like i look at the the other two and it's basically like it's got a great sword the the so- the, the planetar yeah it's got a great sword and it does extra radiant damage and it can heal. And it's got a few things that can spell cast. That's kind of cool. Not a lot of spells, uh, not a lot of spells that would necessarily be combat spells either. It's got, got a flame strike and an insect plague. Yeah. That, this- that's kind of like the Davis got, Commune and raise dead and detect good and evil. And then it's got um, two melee hits and a heal. <laughs> so it's like, and this is a CR 10. Like I, I, and I look at these and that's, that's one of the reasons why I picked these for our monster fixture this week is I, it, it feels like they should do more. It feels like there should be a lot more flavor for these like godlike celestial beings. Definitely. Yeah. So 
Ben, did you want to did you want to kick it off? I know you had been thinking about this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I've I've got a couple different things, and I really kind of leaned into the celestial idea behind it. You know, like the the heavens are fighting us in some way or whatever. Um, again, as always, I don't have exact numbers or stats or anything, just ideas, and you know, feel free to adjust them how you want. Um, but my, like my first thing is, they've got wings. Give them a wing buffet. You know, they're these celestial beings. They can flap their wings super hard to obviously fly float into one spot or whatever but you know the idea of them actually using it to affect you know combat push you around knock you prone whatever i was a it just makes sense to me you know give them something powerful like that um another one that i actually thought was kind of interesting would be uh i I just called it like beautiful presence like the idea that you know they're celestial and they're so beautiful like you can't look at them you know, whether it's like a, a wisdom saving throw or a, a charisma saving throw or something like that. But basically, um, you can't look at him. It'll cause disadvantage because, you know, you're not actually looking at whatever you're you're attacking or, or anything like that. Um, I, I don't like the idea of just an outright blinding. I think it's more of like you're kind of forced to to look away. It just, you know, kind of seemed, seemed to, to fit for me. Um, also, I really like the idea of... And I totally took this from uh, from watching Dogma. Um, you know, the idea of like the Metatron comes in, speaks for God. So I, I had like booming voice as an idea, you know, like where they come in and they speak and just this loud booming thing. It deafens for like a round or a, a minute or, you know, however you want to do it. But I just love the idea that, you know, they're able to just project just that much power to, you know, really kind of seal that deal. And then um, aside from just insect plague or uh, insect attack or whatever it is, um, go with any of the plagues from the Bible, you know, throw frogs at people, um, make water go to blood, whatever. I don't know if you want to get like super into it. I think that's no, I, <laughs> the, I was exact same lines. Like the, the planetar is, is a fairly powerful CR, CR 16. This is a fairly powerful being. Mm-hmm. I love that it has insect plague, but like there's so like you said there's so much more play space mm-hmm. in that like how cool would it be to have a celestial um a celestial being celestial stat block that is focused around these plagues these heavenly or the like divine divine judgment divine smiting mm-hmm. of of these plagues like you said like boils having yeah. like like the disease poisoning um the the scorching uh like heat mm-hmm. or something uh death <laughs> yeah just full fire brimstone just all of that yeah yeah just just cool stuff like that maybe a a, a powered down version of meteor storm mm-hmm. um something like that because that's a cool spell that you really don't get to see that much because it's just so high level and yeah. we've we've talked many times about my uh, annoyance uh, or lack of official <laughs> official support <laughs> for high level content. Uh, I really hope that's something they fix with one D and D, like more support for tier three four stuff because there's so much cool stuff. But when you're doing using these celestials, they're very powerful. You can do stuff like that, or potentially use those higher level spells as inspiration. And you can even tone them down a little bit to bring them to the level that you want to. But I love the idea of a like plague bringer celestial being, not some, you know, 
grotesque demon yeah. thing, but some agent of ju- like righteous judgment. Yeah, even like that's super cool. Even bringing like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, like theme them around that. You know, you get something again as like a, you know, a holy vengeance coming in and, you know, ridding the world of, of evil and all that, or of, you know, people who don't follow along with the lawful good that's being taken to its extreme. Yeah. And that's, and we were talking about this, uh, before we, we started recording. Um, cause you might be like, well, I don't need a lot of celestials cause they're, they're good. Why would, why would my party be fighting? against those things and there's a lot of really good reasons why your party could be fighting uh that's it's 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 a it's a it's a trope but many great campaigns and and storylines and stuff do come from tropes when you that you just make your own mm-hmm. right there's there's a reason that they're used a lot and because they're good so um and i believe this was kind of a storyline a little bit in one of the adventures from uh, the Radiant Citadel. And it's basically the city ruled over by a lawful good taken to the extreme, right? And so you could easily base a campaign or an arc or something around this like lawful good, quote unquote, God that has taken things to the extreme. And then you have all these heavenly servants that are, executing judgment based mm-hmm. on this extremely again good thing which is actually too much to the extreme or is actually hurting people or it's standards that nobody could ever reach under normal circumstances um so i i love the idea of that type of arc or that type of campaign because it it gives you a lot of playroom from another perspective because these are technically good beings, right? Uh, what they think they're doing or the way they're going about things is good, but it's hurting people mm-hmm. or it's, or it's, it's just so far beyond they're judging people by their angelic or celestial standards when no normal person could reach that. So having that type of stuff would be really cool. And again, planetar, it's already got the little basis for the, the divine plagues of judgment. Add more to that. Um, blinding light, use the blind condition. Yeah. Like that just seems like a, that just seems like a, a home run, no brainer for these, these types of things, beings of light, uh, having, you know, some kind of constitution save for a, a bonus action or a reaction mm-hmm. that the the uh, celestial creature can do when they are targeted by a melee or a ranged attack. They can do this blinding light reaction to try and make you miss or try and blind give you the blinded condition or something like that. Um, another super easy one, which I was very surprised. None of these have guiding bolt. Yeah, <laughs> that none of these have guiding bolt in any of their, their stat blocks. It, it, like it, it's like the go-to, you know, radiant spell. That that's yeah. That's it. Seems like a huge oversight. Like that seems like a, a just a slam, an easy slam dunk to give to a celestial as they start the combat out, smiting you with righteous energy from afar, right? Uh, yeah. And then oh man, 
you're glowing and things have advantage on you the next hit. That sucks. Uh, but yeah, like I, I was just looking through and it's like, yeah, there's there's no guiding bolt in any of their the spell casting. That just it, it doesn't seem right. No, I mean, even at a CR 10, you, you should be able to throw that out there. And, I've, and it's interesting because they are more tuned good. A lot of their spell casting seems to more be towards the RP side of things versus the combat side of things, which I thought was interesting. The Planetar has a few more combat type spells, but like commune, troll weather, dispel evil and good, raise dead, invisibility, detect evil and good. A lot of those are, for the most part, non-combat mm-hmm. type things that uh, that it could use. I mean, same for uh, the solar resurrection, detect evil and good commune control. There's a lot of control weather type things. Um, So, yeah, a lot of that uh, seems to be geared more for, oh, these are allies. These are these are helping you out. And that might be a way to use them, too. If you are running a campaign where, I don't know, you have a a cleric or a paladin or something like that uh, who has a, a, a God that they are getting their power from, then you can potentially bring in servants mm-hmm. of that, that deity to come and aid your, your companions, your, your adventuring party. Heck there's, there's even uh what is it? I think it's either the cleric or the paladin spell that lets you, request the aid of like a divine being. Oh yeah. The, yeah, it's a cleric spell. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but basically that type of thing too. Maybe that's a planetar. Maybe that's a Deva, um, or uh divine intervention. Celestials are great divine intervention things. When it's just like you, you, you use your divine intervention, you get it. And you're in a sticky situation. It's like, I need help. Maybe that help comes in the form of a Deva comes and helps you from your, your deity or a, a planetar comes and helps you in that combat or something. And that's, that's good to be used for allies too, because they all do have that healing touch that is pretty significant uh, <laughs> that can be used to help if they're assisting you. So it's, it's good when you're, when you're looking at these things to not only think of cool things that you could add when you are fighting against them, but cool things that you could also add when you are uh, using them for the good. Like the Davis got a change shape that allows it to polymorph into other stuff. And you can use those as like messengers and stuff like there's zero reason why you couldn't give the solar and the plantar those that that ability as well. Allow them to be mundane or appear mundane to walk the earth or to uh, find things out or judge things, uh, potentially have it be a reoccurring character in disguise. It's in, in some ways kind of like uh, like dragons, right? Yeah. Who can change shape. You could easily use that same concept for these celestial type beings 
and potentially have them reveal themselves later on um or you know see how the party handles certain situations and build story line and uh concepts from those things uh you 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 save the old man and turns out to be uh a, a deva and uh you have been found worthy of of equity type thing now you're offered this quest or oh no you didn't uh <laughs> you didn't save that person who is in trouble because it was out of your way or you just didn't really want to do it uh and after the fact you find out oh no here that come- was that was a test and we failed yep here <laughs> come the test. frogs yeah yeah so they, there's there's so many things you can do really really cool things you can do um with the celestial heavenly type uh type story and type creatures. Yeah. And uh, just so that uh, we don't have anybody to write again, uh, we're looking at a couple different spells, actually guardian of faith. Uh, we also have summon celestial. And then I think the one that you're really thinking of is planar ally. That's it. Yes. Planar ally. Cause mm-hmm. you can basically uh, have them do tasks. Yep. For you. Yep. hundred gold a cool. minute. So that, yeah. And that the person who does those tasks might be, uh, might be one of those, Three stat blocks. There's three official stat blocks that we talked about. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, the big thing is we really just wanted to kind of talk about those because they probably don't get a whole lot of use. There's not many of them. And there are more ways to use them besides just being allies. Yeah. Or being, you know, quote unquote, good. Uh and before we kind of leave this topic, I want to just jump to our community content shout out real fast because it's it's linked to this celestial monster fixer topic like perfectly, perfectly. Uh, and this is a Kickstarter that I backed a little while ago. It just recently came out like in the last month or two, and it's called uh, Professor Gilroy's Heavenly Handbook. And this I, I when I saw this, I was like, this is perfect. Like this, this literally fills a massive gap that there is in official content. And again, this is why Homebrew, DMs Guild, having D&D in Creative Commons or OGL is such a big deal because officially wizards cannot do everything. Like they, they put out, they put out some good content, but they are never going to be big enough to fill every niche and some niches are probably too small for them to care about. Mm -hmm. So then you have people who come along and go, Oh, there's not a lot of celestial creatures. I'm just going to write a supplement that is all about celestial creatures. So this one, uh, I said, it's called the heavenly handbook. It includes, uh, 40, 40 celestial creatures, uh, 50 angelic magic items for new celestial races, um, a bunch of really cool pictures and counter hooks, monster tactics. Like, uh, it's, it's very much built specifically for the things that we're talking about and has a much wider range of CR mm-hmm. for all these celestial beings, as well as a very cool, like 
ranking system and hierarchy system for these celestial beings. Uh, if you want to use that type of power structure or you want to integrate that into your campaign. Yeah. And the, the big thing that I'm pulling from this is uh, it does say good villains are the best villains. And it has a detailed guide to help you run good aligned antagonists. That's huge. That's huge because that's just not something you see near as often. Mm -hmm. It's always as bad guy for the sake of being bad. Yeah. Devils, demons. That's, that's normal. They're normal bad guys, you know, like evil, evil person. They're normal bad guys. Good bad guys. You don't see used near as often. Yeah. We're not just talking about honestly. Yeah. Honestly, they're harder to run in a lot of ways because the, the motivations are completely different. And so, uh, having that and tips and such can be very helpful. Uh, we will have a link to that in the show notes on dndiscussions.com. If it sounds interesting, uh, or you want to add more celestial creatures to your roster. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So moving on from there, uh, we did get a listener email that we wanted to talk about a little bit. Uh, and this is from uh, Jeffrey. Thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, and it's it's a long one, but basically uh, a little uh, a TLDR. Um, this was in, in uh, response to, I believe it was the show before last, where we talked about uh, maximizing player turns mm-hmm. and um, turn ending mechanics and such like that. Uh, so he said, I sat down and brainstormed a little bit and, uh, wanted to kind of figure out things that can maybe be fun to do in lieu of, uh, a lot of people maybe doing an action missing and their, their turn is done. Um, so, so he says for casters. Uh, many spells in D&D have a save against effects, like Fireball has a dex check. What if all casters had a reaction to aid their allies within, say, 30 feet with saves or spells? One time per combat round, which just, you know, you have one reaction per round. Mm-hmm. Um, with their spell ability modifier, wizards could use their intelligence bonus. Bards could use charisma. It would be a flat check uh, to aid or, like, not even counter but block block spells or uh potentially add on a certain amount to uh another character save yeah and um you know kind of in the idea of i'm also a caster i kind of know what's coming let me give you a, a heads up yeah uh and he said in a similar vein players with a heal skill available could get a bonus action to our bonus to aid characters in their death saves one time per combat round and within a certain, a certain range, uh, like calling out to the down player that help is on the way and don't walk into the light. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, interrupts, uh, where just like uh, a reaction of, I, I, I pick up a rock, toss it at an enemy, uh, to lower their attack roll that they're, they're doing distraction something like that. Mm-hmm. 
a martial class that's adjacent to an ally um, that uh, can kind of uh, block for them, which uh, there are uh, some feats that kind of do a little bit of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a great email and we, we really appreciate getting it. Um, and I think, I think, I think it really goes along with the theme of what we were talking about of how D and D and at a base level, at a class level, at a subclass level needs more reactions and bonus actions for classes to do stuff with. And not just to do stuff with, to make make it more interactable. Mm-hmm. Allow them to interact, to combo with party members, to interact with car- party members, to support party members, to make combat far less of a, I do my thing, then you do your thing, then you do your thing. And then in changing it more to something of I'm going to keep engaged because I have something I can do to potentially help another person out. Or I have something I can do that will combo with this other person. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that uh, I really liked about this, especially the the spell save one. I think that's really cool. Um, you even put it as, you know, if, if that's like too free, you know, it's like it, it's too much maybe added restrictions so that uh, they can only do it with spells that they themselves have prepped for the day. So, you know, it's like, you know, you're going through your day figuring out, uh, okay, cool. I'm going to cast fireball sometime or, or hopefully you're familiar enough with the spell to know when someone else is casting it, give that warning out to, you know, give that bonus to, to their save or something like that. Like it, it makes sense to me that a caster might be able to do something like that. I think that's a really cool idea. Um, don't know if I'm going to incorporate it right away, maybe next campaign, but I actually think that that's a great, cool little added effect on that. For like, sure. I'm, I'm happy and, about that. And this is the type of thing that especially we should be giving feedback for as these new one D and D unearthed arcana, uh, releases drop and the surveys come out. There's, there's always sections for, you know, typing in feedback. And I know for me, uh, in the past and going forward, almost all the feedback I've left in just like the overall thing is give us more stuff to do with the class with bonus actions, reactions. Uh, I, I, we talked about it last week. I think the Paladin was a great example of something done really well. Yes. With all those different smite effects as a bonus action instead of as an actual action so that you could pick and choose which one would work the best in your specific situation that you're currently in. Like that is, that to me is really cool. Like that's the direction I want to see stuff go. Um, I think there's a lot of work that could still be done in the reaction piece. I would love to see much more um, variety and reactions just besides attacks of opportunity. Because in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, I actually don't like attacks of opportunity that much because I feel like it really stifles movement. Yeah. People it are really too scared stifles, to move. It, yeah, it, it makes people scared to move uh, when they're when they're next to something. Because I, I heck, the, the last session I was in, I. I can't remember how many times I asked, uh, well, I take an attack of opportunity if I move. I'll just stay here. 
yeah. type thing. And so I think attacks of opportunity in a lot of ways really just stifle movement. So I would love to see more reactions and more things you could do to encourage that support or encourage movement. Like maybe a fighter then maybe this is maybe this is a, sp- a particular subclass thing or a fighter gets a reaction where he can shout at someone within 30 or 60 feet of him and encourage them and allow that person to move X amount without taking attacks of opportunity. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, that is something another player can do and go, hey, you're in harm's way. Let's get you out of there. I'm going to yell some encouragement or yell some distraction or something like that. I think build that into the class. I think some fighters might be able to do that with like superiority dice or something. Don't quote me on that, but that sounds like something that they'd be able to do. But those are the types of things I want to see more of Mm -hmm. that. I want to see built into the base classes and the base subclass stuff. I want, I want all these base classes to have, you know, a few different bonus actions and reactions that could be used every turn. And then you could do unique stuff for the different subclasses uh, that are flavorful and fit um, that are more, more geared around support and not necessarily just raw offense because there's tons of raw offense already. So let's, you know, explore the design space within the bonus action reaction pieces uh to do cool things keep people more engaged in combat and give people more stuff to do exactly it's one of the reasons why i love being a lore bard i have cutting words i wish i could use it more than just my uh my bardic inspiration but i have it and i've tried it a couple times hasn't worked yet but that doesn't mean i'm gonna stop and that doesn't mean it won't exactly and it, and it's still again it's still something that you have that you can be watching for mm-hmm. exactly. potentially use when you go, okay, that's a, that's an 18 to hit. I'm going to try and knock that down. Exactly. And because that's why I, reasons... I can knock, I can potentially knock that down to where it won't hit my friend. And that's one of the reasons why we are in combat, why I'm usually pretty engaged. It's like why I can do my turn super fast. Cause I know what's going on, but even more so it's like, I can save someone's life right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. So thank you again for the question. And if you have more questions or more feedback or um, ideas, something ideas you have to discuss uh, for us to discuss on the show, uh, Dean discussions at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We love getting those. Uh, One more little piece of community stuff before we uh, begin to close this episode out. So I thought this was kind of an interesting update. Uh, D&D Beyond just posted this. Uh, I believe yesterday, uh, March 8th, as we usually record uh, Wednesday nights. And they kind of posted, they they said they're going to start doing community updates. And they posted uh, some of the stuff they're working on. So they have like the done column at the SRD 5.1 to Creative Commons, released four playtest packets for 1D&D, collected feedback via three surveys for playtest content. And they have an in progress, which is localized the SRD 5.1 in French, Italian, German, and Spanish, which is cool. Review previous editions for inclusion in Creative Commons, which is also very cool, because I know people have been asking 
for that for like third edition three five and mm-hmm. potentially fourth fourth edition as well which did not have a great uh game license open game license for it so that would be a that would be a huge step for for fourth edition uh publish our internal content policy for dnd products and update the DD core rules and then in their upcoming section they have ensure one DD rule updates are compatible with the fifth edition and the srd uh so all this is good it's good they're going to be doing community updates um i'm i'm glad they're starting to post stuff like that because uh it feels like in some ways DD beyond has been really radio silence uh on updates for for quite a while yeah, especially uh, after the big one that we got uh gosh during well quite a while ago now you quite a few months mm-hmm. and, and especially in the last year right because for the longest time especially pre pre wizards acquisition um i remember adam doing streams they had this big development roadmap list they had all these cool features the digital dm screen the monster builder the homebrew revamp the uh extra campaign features like uh like party loot and uh stuff like that right Mm -hmm. all that has kind of disappeared which is which has been which has been really sad uh and we from a feature perspective we have really not gotten much in the way of updates from D&D Beyond in quite some time. But they keep really releasing different versions of digital dice, Ryan. Yes, <laughs> they do. And backgrounds <laughs> and stuff like that. But yeah, like, like the, the, but the stuff I mentioned, like the, the, the actual improving of the platform beyond like bug fixes and little tiny tweaks there really hasn't been much to show for it. Yeah. Which has been, which is I I've been noticing more and more as we go. And it, it leads me to believe that we might not actually get much of anything else feature wise from D and D beyond until one D and D is released. Like maybe most of their actual dev work is going into whatever big thing they're going to release when one D and D does. I mean, it makes sense, especially if they know that it's on the horizon and they want to have everything, you know, set and ready to go for, you know, this release. But if it's really supposed to be able to be, you know, like compatible and everything with 5.0, they I would think that we would still be able to have something or at least, you know, little snippets here and there of, of, of what's going on, or at least what the idea is behind everything. is. I I want, I want to hear what the plan is. Yeah. Especially if they want, like, if they want my subscription, (laughs) if they want my subscription money, like I want, I want to see the platform continue to grow. And I think that's the big question I have is when one D and D comes, what happens to D and D beyond? Are they Mm going to try and just convert everything over? And all my stuff is just going to kind of get converted to whatever the new thing is. Cause it's technically backwards compatible. Although a lot of the classes are changing a decent bit so far. Um, what does backwards compatibility mean? Does that just mean that you can play the adventures and stuff like that? And, and they're still relatively, relatively okay. And, and fit 
mechanically and the, the, the monsters work and everything. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think ideally, even if D and D beyond does not get any more fifth edition updates, ideally I would like to see the five E digital section sectioned off into its own thing. Even if it doesn't receive any more development updates, so that people can continue using it as it exists now and it sits alongside whatever the new hotness is that gets all the new features and has the virtual tabletop and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I would be I think I and I'm sure many others would be very disappointed or potentially very angry if they try to convert the current site as is completely over to the new system not allowing the old system to be really used anymore. Yeah. I think that would be a big mistake on their part. Uh, I think there's a decent chance of it actually happening, unfortunately. Um, but that's why we're, we're talking about things now. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that five E can be basically frozen as is because there are enough features to run a five E game encounter builders nice the character creation is great mm-hmm. there is lacking a lot of stuff that they talked about in the earlier days of the site even a year or two ago but if this was all we had it would still be very good it'd still be very good it's yeah. very very doable it's very usable uh and i can run things off of it but i don't want it i really don't want it to be converted fully into like one D D. And me not be able to go back or make it much harder to use if I don't switch over to that new system right away or ever. Yeah. And my hope is, is that they'll still have everything available, just like how um, when uh, Morton Kynan's Monsters of the Multiverse came out, they still have the old stat blocks in there like so if you had bought it or something so you know you can see that it's in there with a legacy title to it so as long as they keep something similar to that going i don't think there's going to be much of an issue um let's just hope that they they kind of stick with it though because uh morton kinds is one of the first things that kind of came out you know after the the acquisition and sale and everything so it kind of made sense at that point but if they're really trying to push everything forward with one D who knows what the, the, the potential is going to be. But the way I look at it is, is if you bought the content already, it, it should always be available to you. Yeah. And, and hopefully should always be available in a way that lets you utilize it without, uh, it just automatically defaulting to, you know, whatever, exactly. whatever's new or whatever, yep. which is why I again, hope that, in the end, or next year, whenever the the switchover happens, that there becomes a there there becomes a five E dedicated site, and then you can choose which one that you want to use. Even if the five E one doesn't have near the features that the new one has, it would still be still be nice to be able to have that digital. On top of that. Or if they just throw everything all together, you have your choice of your 5e paladin or the D&D one paladin, whatever they're going to be calling like 5.5 or whatever, you know, when you go through your classes to choose one, maybe you have both those options. Yeah. Who knows? So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I, I am. I know I'm watching that very closely. Yes. All right. Uh, 
Well, that's it for the the main content we wanted about uh, wanted to talk about. As always, uh, we usually talk a little bit about what's going on in our uh, home games before we head out. So, Ben, do you have anything going on after that ridiculously wild session that you talked about? last episode uh no we have not played yet <laughs> basically <laughs> uh yeah a bunch of different stuff came up that was scheduled so uh it, it was a scheduling monster that we had to defeat and uh, we're not gonna be playing again for another 10 days or so which gives me plenty of time to figure out uh what's going on after that uh, incredibly random <laughs> chance of oh you didn't go where we intended so, yeah, I'm just glad that they cast it at the end of the session as opposed to the beginning of the session. So I didn't have to uh, completely, you know, make everything up improv style off the top of my head for an entire session. So at least this way I can kind of figure stuff out. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, what about you? I know that you're prepping stuff. I am. Yeah, I'm prepping prepping some big stuff right now. Uh, my my second campaign starts back up again after our little break this Friday. So I'm looking forward to that as they, uh, I don't know, potentially try and take down a powerful uh, political house. That could be, that could be interesting. I'm excited to see how, <laughs> how that, uh, that little revolution essentially goes. Very cool. uh, and then, and then my first campaign, uh, uh, we, we finally hit the kickoff. We're in we we are at the uh, to borrow the tagline from Fast Furious 10, the beginning of the end of the road. <laughs> All right. <Love> it. <laughs> so they they basically made contact with the uh, the Rangers mom who said that basically promised she would help them if they could get dad out. So they have a plan. They are infiltrating the manor to try and break dad out while mom is essentially distracting the evil grandma to allow them time to do it. While uh, a large foe, uh, the kind of right hand of this uh, matriarch is still out there somewhere. Uh, so they are, they are currently in infiltration mode. They're going to try and break dad out of prison, get him to a safe spot and then go with mom help mom's help, either try and defeat or imprison, uh, this very powerful entity of the shadow fell. Uh, so if all works out according to plan, uh, this will happen in about a week and a half on saturday and we're gonna try and do an in-person session hey i get to bring all my cool toys with me that's great build out and uh i've got a lot of painting i still need to do uh on models but i think i can get it done in time uh <laughs> if but, not uh, just add the word albino to any monster uh description exactly um and so I'm going to try and uh, get stuff uh, finished and built out. There's a lot of prep I'm doing. This is going to be uh, kind of this is an arc finale, honestly, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, uh, regardless of how it goes. This is this is kind of it. Like uh, they, they're committed. The ball is rolling and things aren't going to stop until 
they they reach a conclusion at this point. So I'm very excited to see where this ends up going. Uh, I'm prepping a lot of stuff, and this is probably going to be one of the biggest things I've run since the finale of my very first campaign with the the whole avatar of the blood god and the the massive combat and encounter that I set up with that. Very cool. I'm very excited to see see how it goes. I'm very excited. Hopefully we'll be able to tell you all about it next episode. I hope so, because I want to know what's going on. I'm I'm very excited. This is this is something that's been building for a while. And this is this is uh, kind of the everything is kind of rolling towards this conflict. So yeah, I'm very excited. Very cool. And with that, I believe that is what we would call an episode of D and discussions. That is so much so that I'm going to actually just jump into our clothes right now. Heck yeah. Yeah. So as uh, Ryan said earlier, uh, if you have any questions, comments, I uh, want to tell some of your ideas for reactions, bonus actions, all that fun stuff. Email us. That address is dndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, if you're looking for us on Twitter, we are there. We are at dndiscussions. Uh, so if you want to give us a shout out, tell us anything that's going on in your story, anything like that in a short form version, send it there. If you're looking for Ryan specifically, though, you can find him. He is at TBK Zord. If you're looking for me, I am at Ben Bumphoffer. And of course, uh, I highly recommend, because I find it fun, uh, listening to Plus Five to Hit. It is our persistent uh, play campaign, or live play campaign, I should say, um, of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. We're kind of going through. We just kind of hit the the uh, end of a, a small arc. We're trying to figure out the next possible steps. And uh, we've got some good decisions to go on, and uh, I'm excited for it. I, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, what's going to happen coming up soon. Um, that being said, though, this is DN Discussions. Uh, if you like this episode and you want to hear more, you can check out every single episode we've ever done on dndiscussions.com, as well as your podcast player of choice. Uh, with that being said, everybody, thank you very much for joining us this week. Uh, I screwed up before in my game. I admit it. We got past it. So I hope you're able to do that as well. Until next time, everybody, be good to each other. Take care. I'll see you soon. I mean, I don't hope you screw up, but if you do, that you're able to get past it and, and get that. Like, like you, you know, that's what I meant, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because, I, I, you know, I don't want to wish bad roles and encounters. No, no, no. Anybody. No. No. You guys got this. Until next time.